Ronananian. Before I go into a monologue and put everybody to sleep, we started out with Tony. Uh, Tony, Tony kind of passed out. He's in the green room there you, taking a nap. You put him to sleep. Yeah, it should be. Just either that or the... <laughs> The Car Doctor. I wanted to talk to you about the oil life percentage. Um, how exactly is that percentage calculated? And is there any point at all in using it? I'm not a fan of the oil percentage monitors, Jeff. I'm just not. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. I wonder if I could do that in my sleep. You know, I bet you if I hear the music, I'd be like, hey, Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here. Time to start your engines. I, uh sort of become habit over the years um it is kind of weird though because you drive around during the course of the day you're at work and you're listening to other radio stations and you hear public service announcements or you hear bits and pieces of car doctor theme music and right away your mind is going three two hey ron and Andy and the car doctor you kind of get into that yes tom i know now that tony <clears throat> tony and i can be expecting a phone call from your wife at some point when you start doing that in your sleep and um, something tells me we're, we're going to show up for the show and you're going to have a black eye or two well you never know it would be um i listen last night well that was last night that was a whole nother story i can't tell you about that here on air it's family radio but um in any event um this is the car doctor this this radio show is about about fixing your car car doctor show.com for more information facebook podcasting however you want to take it remember the 855-560-9900 number is 24 7 i know we have busy phones you should know that we're giving away a wix diecast car today because i think i finally talked tom and tony to take it out of their chubby little hands at the end of this hour so uh, we're going to be giving that away the 39 ford coupe diecast car uh, the 75th anniversary 39 ford diecast car courtesy of the folks at wix wixfilters.com but i want to tell you this story because it's important and it, it's it's a matter of it could be a matter of life and death and i'll tell you the story this way we had to take mom to the doctor yesterday it was time for mom's regular doctor checkup she's 95 years old um she's in a home now and you know we we got her an aide and the aide showed up picked her up and i was mom was a little nervous so i you know ronnie meet me at the doctor okay so i met mom and the aide at the doctor and the physical you know the physical was okay she's she's 95 and um they came out and the aide said let me go get the car so your mom doesn't have to walk and i'll bring it to her and i said yeah good idea she goes to get the car and my phone rings two minutes later, and it's the aide. Her ignition key broke off in the lock cylinder trying to start the car. Great. Now what do we do? So I, you know, I, I put mom back in the doctor's office. You sit here and wait. The, the nurse came out and waited with her. And I went down the hill to, 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 to get the car. And this was a Honda. And this is why I want to do this, because I think this is really important. Because here's a scenario. It was... It was 88 almost 90 degrees yesterday in north jersey it was very humid um it was it, it, it's tough for the older folks to, to get around and you know if if she, they didn't have me if i wasn't there i can't imagine what would have happened this could have gotten ugly the, if you look at a honda if you're a honda vehicle owner 
And in the last, probably the last 20 years, a lot of them are like this. They've got the remote built in, and the little metal portion of the key sticks out, and it's held in by, um, you know, it, it gets gets pressed into the plastic case, and the case is held in by these two little tiny Phillips screws. So naturally, you know, the plastic gets old, the plastic gets brittle, the screws fall out, and now it has the ability to flex and wiggle, and eventually you put the key in and turn it, and you will snap the plastic head right off the key. The key, there isn't much to it. It's a T-shaped key, and that T is in the bottom portion of the plastic, and then the rest of that plastic housing is the remote function of the key and the the chip for the anti-theft. So, you know... Listen, all mechanics have to have their tools with them at all times. I, my kids kid me, but I, I carry my man bag, as we call it. All right, It's a little black purse, little black satchel. It's a shoulder bag. It's got everything in it. I've got a jump box in it, a little short MicroStart X10 from the folks at MicroStart. Um, I've, got some, I've got a Leatherman in it, a Leatherman Wave. I've got a couple of flashlights, Swiss Army knife, and a roll of electrical tape. You can do a lot of things with electrical tape. All right, You can fix a lot of stuff in an emergency with a roll of electrical tape. Okay, so I was able to just push in and get the metal portion of the key out of the lock cylinder. And, you know, I how do I? So I, I took the remote apart. I got the pieces that had fallen when they fell on the floor. I also took off her nine keys that she had on the end of the remote because too much weight, it beats up the plastic. What I always tell you guys about weight on keys, all right, it's it's meant to be a singular key. Stop putting, you know, you know, the, the keys to the the fortress on the uh, end of the right. There's Tom Ray. He's got a singular key. Good boy. All right. Think about all the weight on that plastic. That plastic is brittle. And I got out my roll of electrical tape and I taped it around seven times this way and wrapped it around this way. We got the car started. No problem. She was able to finish out the day with mom. We went, we had Wendy's you know, we got a cheeseburger from mom. Mom was very happy, and I sent them off their way and, um, you know, solved the problem. The point is, what would have happened? You got to think ahead. You got to look at your key. You know, and, and, and I told thee, I said, sweetheart, you got to get this fixed. And she says, I know I lost the other key. The other key broke a couple of years back, and I've been meaning to do this. Key maintenance is just important as, in, as, as, as vehicle maintenance. You got to have good keys. You got to have a spare don't wait till the last minute because you never know. You might not have a mechanic around. The funny part was she goes, as I'm taking the key apart and, you know, I'm, I'm, I, the tape and I'm fixed, she goes, oh, you're a mechanic? Yeah. She goes, you fix cars? Something like that. Uh, <laughs> so, and mom just looked at me and I went, hey, I, you know, she goes, you didn't tell her? No, I didn't tell her. What was I going to say? So, and I kind of let it go like that. Anyway, so uh, do key maintenance. It's important. Ed in Indiana, thank you. I wanted to get that out on the air more as a public safety thing. Uh, how can I help you in your 87E150, sir? What's going on? Um, the transmission fluid is showing close to a quart over level, and it's uh, not uh, getting out of second gear. It won't go into third or overdrive. Okay. I wonder what you would recommend to start. Well, is anybody, you know, where where'd that extra quart of fluid come from? Is anybody? I, I don't know. Tell you. Uh, I've had to add oil occasionally, but I say some long, long, uh, long neck funnels put anything in the transmission. Right. So I don't know where it came from. Is it, is it backing up from something nah. in there? It's not working right. It does. It does. It still look like trans fluid, Ed? Is it? Is it clean? Oh, yes. Is it clean and pink? It's just got a high level to it. Yeah, it's just high level. It smells good. It looks good. It's you know okay. the reddish pink color. Do you know? Do you know what trans this is? Is this the E four OD or is this the AOD trans? Oh, I don't know. I got, I got a 5.0 with a 
automatic overdrive. Okay, so this is probably the AOD. If you have you ever looked at the Transpan? I didn't see a plug there. Okay, if you look at the Transpan, is it is it long and rectangular, or is it is it um, is it uh, truncated? Is it chamfered on each corner? There's like a 45 degree angle on the edge of the pan in each corner in the back of it. Yeah, I think it's closer to the square with the rounded bucky buckies. Right, it's chamfered in the corners. So that's a, that's an AOD. So this will have a throttle valve cable and a throttle valve rod. So the way this worked is there was a governor in that trans that reacted to vehicle load and or I'm sorry, road speed and the throttle valve cable maintained pressure on the throttle valve to react to vehicle load. So the you know road speed worked against load and it helped determine shift point. This, there, there may be a mechanical failure here, but, you know, the basic things that you can do, go through is, um, you know, check and make sure the throttle valve cable is adjusted properly, that it hasn't stretched out for some reason, and that it's moving freely. And also down at the trans itself, somebody will need to check and make sure that the throttle valve in the trans is moving freely and not bound up. The other thing that used to happen, believe it or not, and it's going to sound weird, is the governor's would get loaded up with debris and junk, and it usually happened as the trans was approaching failure as they got older. And I, I mean, I hate to bring it up, but one of the things you could try is find a big, giant, empty parking lot, and I say this very seriously, a big, empty parking lot, try driving in reverse, you know, 10, 12, 15 miles an hour, on and off the gas a couple of times. What you're doing is reverse, reverse through the governor in that trans will back flush the governor and push any debris out, and the trans may start to shift normal, you know, second, third, third overdrive, etc. Um, beyond that, it's got to it's got to be diagnosed, tear down to inspect, because I think you've got something internal in the trans going on. The only other question I've got as far as where that extra fluid uh, came from is, you know, is it possible there's a trans cooler issue uh, related to the radiator cooler? Um, itself, but you're saying the fluid is still pink, so it's it's not discolored. I, I can't believe that it's being contaminated with coolant um, as a result of a transcooler failure in the bottom of the radiator. All right, sir? All right. I've always been impressed the way you think things through, yeah. and once, to, once again, there they are. All right. See where we go, and we'll talk about it next week. You take good right, care. You, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie, the car doctor. We are back right after this. Whether it's a little red Corvette or a Yugo, you've come to the right place to get that car fixed. Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Hey, welcome back. Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor. Let's go over and talk to Al in Maryland. A broken key story. Is this like a broken heart story? Al, welcome aboard, sir. What's going on? Hi, Ron. Yes, Long-time listener, and Thank thanks you. for your great show. I Thank learn you, something sir. every time Thank I you. listen. Thank you. Um, got a broken key story. This one's kind of, and it also leads to a question. Uh, as you know, of course, one key operates the trunk, the doors, and the ignition. So I'm at a shopping center. I go buy groceries. I come out. I go to open the trunk. The key breaks off in the, uh, in the, in the, trunk, in the trunk lock. So now I, now I can't start the car. And um, what saved my butt is that years ago, I started a practice of keeping a spare key in my wallet. And if I didn't have that spare key in my wallet, I'd have been stuck with a bunch of, you know, melted ice cream and, you know, rotten tomatoes 
in a parking lot at a grocery store 20 miles from my house. Sure. And having that, that spare key allowed me to start the car and, and get the thing home. And that broken key is still in the trunk lock, which leads to my question, is there some way to get that sucker out of there? Well, the, the, the problem is, can you, you know, what, what your car was the broken key? It's a 99 Sentra. Okay. So can you, can you see the end of the key? You can see the end, but it's flush with the lock. There's a magnet won't pull it out. Um, there's no way to grab it. Uh, it's inside. It broke off flush with the uh, surface of the uh, of the lock. Um, I mean, the stupid things are: would a would a would a drop of crazy glue on the end of a piece of wood attach itself yeah. to the key? Give it enough just to jiggle it and wiggle it and get it out. Yeah, it's it, it's probably got, yeah. it's probably jammed in there. Um, that it's it's just now you can open the trunk I imagine from the interior trunk release. That's it. That's what I do. That's yeah. what I do. I open and, it. That's the way. And I just you know, you know didn't mess with it. I thought about that. You know, crazy glue at the end of a a nail or something. And try to pull it out. But you know, I you know. But, I, I wonder but if you got I, the I mean, trunk open and you got the lock cylinder out and laid it in a bath of oil or some type of light solvent because you've got to figure there's there, believe it or not and it's it's amazing you take apart a lock cylinder on a car after it's been down the road for 5 years and then 10 years yeah, and 15 yeah. the amount of grit and contaminant that's pushed in there by the airstream is staggering you don't realize it uh, you know the damage that gets done and you just think you know if you could free up the grit and then you know maybe it would just release maybe you know when you push a key in um, take your take your fingers and fold them, interlock them together, and then push a key and you know move your fingers closer to you. That's the key kind of pushes the tumblers in that direction. Yeah. yeah. That's why you yeah. feel drag when you pull a key out because that's the tumblers yeah. releasing the, tumblers the key. Pushing against them. Right. So right. you know now you've got to you know now you got to put a little bit of grit in there. You've got nothing to pull on it. Um, you know, yeah. listen, something weak in that key to make it break like that, and it was it was that grit and that tumbler action. Yeah. And yeah. you know. It's getting the cylinder uh, a big deal? It didn't look like it's easily bolted. It looked like it'd be a major job taking that sucker out. Yeah, that might be a bit of work, but we never said this was going to be easy. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, well, then, pulling then, the lever inside is, is much better, but the moral of the story is, and I'm happy to say this on your program, everybody who drives a car ought to have a spare key in their wallet. Yep. Because God only knows this is going to happen. I mean, if it happened to me, it didn't happen to you. God only knows how many people have been stuck in parking lots, unable to start the car because the key broke. Well, and I go back. I go back to the day and age. Listen, I remember my '91 K1500 Chevy pickup when I bought it new. They gave you a plastic key, just like you're describing, and it was yeah. it was in your wallet. It was it was the thickness of the credit card, but it would be enough to open the door, and you could yeah. get the door open with that. But I go back to the day when we had when we had you know hide keys. Who, who remembers hide keys, right? And you'd 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 stick. You'd oh, that's st right. You'd stick them underneath the fender well or something. Right. Yeah. You know, it's every one of yeah. my kids went yeah. to college. Every car had a hide key in a, in a spot with duct tape, two five dollar right. bills, right. two quarters. Of course, I'm going back to the time before cell phones were that popular, and they needed yeah. change for yeah. cell phones. Uh, you yeah, know, cars it was, had spare tires. Yeah, it's yeah, cars had spare tires. It was a whole lifestyle thing, man. It was but, a different um, lifestyle. They're very different. But uh, yeah, you're right. Now the problem becomes, you know, to have that spare key in your wallet. That's great. But what do you do when you've got a smart key? 
Yeah, well, you know, us old-timers who still drive the old ones, you know, when I get a, a new old car, the first thing I do is go down to Walmart or the local hardware store. I get a spare key made, and I put that sucker in my wallet. But one of these newer cars that got all these, you know, electronic uh, gizmos, I don't know, what the heck do you do on that? I'll tell you one of the dumbest things I saw this week was someone rented a car from Enterprise. I got I to gotta call Enterprise out on this because I've seen them do this before. And she was showing me the, the rental car, and I looked at it. Enterprise, when you rent the car from them, I know why they do it, but to me it's, it's self-defeating. You get two keys with the car, and the two keys are safety-wired together so that you, don't, you wow. don't lose them. And I'm like, yeah, but if you lose the first one, <laughs> you're going to yeah, lose the second, the second one. one. I mean, I, you know, I'm not the brightest bulb in the shed, but I can figure that one out. Uh, uh, yeah, right. I mean, that's two-step logic. I mean, um, I don't, you know, I don't understand that. That's 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 the government processing at work. So, yeah, right. I, I, you know, if it was me, I'd cut the safety wire, put one in the glove box, and the other one, you know, Absolutely. carry it on your person. But Absolutely. Um, you know, keys are going to be a problem in the future. Y you can see it coming. And, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I read yeah. a report a while ago that actually talked about what the manufacturers are going to get to. Now, think about this. You see it in computers, all right? A matter of fact, I just yeah. bought a new computer at Micro Center, um, a Windows 10 machine. Ron's going to well, come into this, this, this century and get Windows wow. 10 going, right? Yeah, it's like, whew. Um, and they were explaining the Windows 10, you know, are there any disks in the box? And they said, no, what you have to do is you take the product key, you set up an account at Microsoft, and when you want to download the new, you know, like if you have to download or reinstall the operating system, right. you, you, you call, it you, yeah, yeah, you can bring it down that way and just download it and install yeah. it that yeah. way. You can yeah. you see. You can't get discs anymore. You can't yeah. get discs anymore. The car companies are going to do the same thing. You're going to be able to call up a car company and go, hey, it's Al, my 2025 whatever. I, I, I broke the key. I lost the key. I locked the key out of the car. Open the door and start the engine for me. You can see it coming. They're gonna they're gonna have to require some form of positive identification, and it will happen. And it's gonna be very interesting to see how well they can carry that out. Al, I appreciate it, Keys. We could talk about this forever. Um, we can talk about this forever, brother. But uh, um, you can see what a problem Keys will become. Uh, you know, in in the next ten years until we get to that point. Let's just go to Star Trek now, right? In Star Trek, there's no money. All right. I've never seen them use a key to start the Enterprise. Why is that? He just gets in the chair and he says, warp drive now. How come there's no turn the key smart button? Because it evolved from this. Star Trek really happens because they came back in time. Anyway, that's a whole other story. I'm Ron and the Car Doctor. We'll be back to talk to Brian and Butler right after this. Don't go away. was that did you tony i gotta tell you i don't know if you saw it but um you hit the on-air light all the lights in here flashed and that was kind of exciting now that we're on live radio we still on the air good let's go over and see if we can take a phone call i don't know if the computers are going to work um this will be exciting brian butler new jersey 17 mustang gt brian you there sir 
Yes, I am. Well, that how was are kind of, you? how you doing, Ron? That was kind of a trip, man. It was. <laughs> I was like, wow, what happened? Um, well, there was anyway. a thunderstorm around. So. Yeah, there's something going on. So, uh, what's cooking, man? What can I do for I you? I have that 2017 Mustang GT, and now I see in these American Muscle catalogs and stuff that uh, these. Air, air oil separators, a.k.a. catch cans that right. people are using. Right. And I was just wondering, what was your take on these? I think, you know what, oil separators, I think, have an application in performance vehicles. But, you know, on a street vehicle, you know, I think there's a lot of other things you can do. Are, are you trying to get more horsepower out of it? I mean, No, I no, I just uh, figured, uh, you know, if... if you know, some people think that uh, it'll keep the engine cleaner, you know, with because that oil's going into the combustion chamber and, burn, you know, burning out. So um, I think for the work that they're going to cause, if there's, let me, put, let me say it like this. If there's, there's a direct bolt on, you know, let's talk about what an oil separator is. An oil separator, the idea is on a, on a, on a crankcase ventilation system, instead of drawing, instead of drawing oil, air, and oil together back into the engine to burn. It's it's you're separating the oil out of the air so it falls by the wayside, stays in the crankcase, and now you're drawing less oil, more air, and 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 you're 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 venting the crankcase in a cleaner manner, if I can say it like that. Yeah, right. well, you're you're holding it in a can now. They have a little you know the right. can that you unscrew and then you can dump it dump the oil out. Right. Um, now, well, some separators would also you know drain it back into the crankcase as well. So yeah, this it, one, the ones I'm looking at are just like plug and play. It takes five minutes to install them, and like every oil change, you just unscrew it, dump it out, and put it back together. Yeah, and I wonder if you know if, if you're going to do that to me. Okay, same same idea. I just they're just they're just adding a step to it. Um, I don't think you'll ever notice a difference. I think for what they're going to do for you. I think you're going to find, you know, on a regular basis using some sort of a top-end engine cleaning or a fuel system cleaning. I think you're going to, yeah, I think, I think you're going to have the same benefit. If, if I was interested in increasing longevity on a performance application like yours, your vehicle is screaming for a super chip flashback. Um, you know, I've got to tell you, it's, 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 it's looking for, you know, dial up some horsepower via the computer and performance and, and, and so on and so forth. That's where I would go with that. A, a Mustang yeah. GT? Yeah. You know, put on your Steve McQueen goggles and, uh, you know, look cool. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> right. Um, you know, that's where I would go. I would go out, okay. to, I would go out to superchips.com, do some reading, and, and find a flash pack for that car. To go and put a uh, an oil separator on it, I don't know that you really need it. I think there's other ways to go about to accomplish what you want to accomplish, um, uh, and you'd be good from there. All right, sir? Yep. Okay. You take, you take good care. Yes, sir. Okay, let's, you let, too. Bye. Yes, sir. Let's go over and talk to Thomas in Maine, 06 Ford Expedition. Tomas? Yeah, yes, uh, thank you for calling. You're welcome, sir. Uh, I have that 2006 uh, Ford uh, Expedition, and uh, I have a problem with the uh, the airbag light was on and the horn didn't work. They told me to uh, replace the airbag. Um, I replaced the airbag and had it flashed, and... Uh, you know, at another garage, and now they tell me that the uh, uh, I'm getting juice up to the thing in the airbag that makes the horn work, but it's not going from there into the relay to make the horn work. Okay, so the simple question is, so so somebody told you the airbag pad itself was bad. The airbag was bad. The horn, uh, correct. The, the horn didn't work. The airbag light was on. Uh, yes, it was. Do you know what fault code you had? 
Uh, no, they didn't tell me. Okay. So, this, you know, think of the airbag as a horn button. It's just, it's the same thing that you've had in a car for years and years and years, right? So, you know, the, the simple test is that when the airbag was out, the first thing I would have done is, you know, looking at the wiring harness, I would have figured out what's the ground connection for the airbag, and I would have just grounded it for, at the connector minus the airbag and see if the horn blew. You know, you're just you're bypassing the contacts in the in, in the airbag at that step. Um, I'm going to guess and say you used the new airbag, correct? Uh, no, I didn't. I, I used the used one. Right, and that's why I always test the harness the way I just described it, because you know there's no rule that says that that replacement bag was any good. You got it out of a salvage yard. Yes, I did. So you know now somebody's got to take it back apart again and test the wiring harness going down. They're telling you that the wiring harness from the bag down to the relay has a problem in it. If I understand you correctly. Um. Yes. Yes. That's right. what. I, well, they said I was getting juice up into the steering wheel to the connector that go. You know, plugs into the bag. They said I got juice there, but it ain't going to where it's. You know, from there. Okay. So. So. Well, that doesn't make any sense. If there, and I believe it's ground. I believe we're looking for ground. I believe the airbag grounds the horn relay in that in that application. Okay. Um, so if you've got power coming up but not going down, then where's the power coming from? Somebody's not. Somebody's not. You know, it's like the power can't show up in the middle of the wire and then not go back down. <laughs> you right. know, somebody's somebody's not explaining this properly or looking at the circuit properly. So let's start over. Okay. Let's go back to the shop that did the airbag. Tell them, let's re-diagnose this and ask them, when you take the airbag out, if you find the ground leg of, of the relay, you should be able to ground it and get the horns to blow. All right? Think of it like right. this. Do you, know, do you know what a relay does, Tomas? Do, do you know what the uh, purpose not is? Not really. Okay. A relay is a switch. When you, walk into your, when you walk into your house tonight and you flick the light switch, that's a relay. All right, you took you took electrical energy from one side, you transferred it to the other side to turn the lights on. The the, the relay action was the movement of the switch itself. That that flipped the contacts. An automotive relay, typically a typical automotive relay will have four posts. It'll feed power in on one leg, all right? It will have and then it'll have a switch side. It'll be power coming in, a ground. When you apply ground, the voltage flows from the one side, across the coil, closes the contact, and takes that high-voltage source and feeds it out to the other, in this case, the horns, and the horns blow. So that ground trigger that closes the relay contacts, or like the light switch in your house, is what's going to allow the horn to blow. You can duplicate that horn trigger, that ground, by just applying the ground, or if the airbag is working properly, pushing the airbag, that makes ground, that makes the horn circuit work. They can test that when it's apart, and that's what they need to do, all right? Because somehow the way somebody's explaining that doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, so have them take the airbag out and test it out of the car. Right, test the circuit. We test want to the test, circuit. not the airbag. We want to test the airbag circuit that feeds the horns with the airbag out of the car. And the reason it has to be out of the car is because they have to get to it. It's underneath the airbag. That's where it plugs in. Okay, right. airbag circuit. Okay. Airbag circuit. We want to check. We want to have somebody test the airbag horn circuit, and the airbag has to be out of the car in order to do that. All right? Uh, I, I deeply appreciate it. You're very Thank welcome, you very sir. Much, sir. You let me know what happens. 855-560-9900. We're back right after this.
What's more fun than listening to Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor and getting that car fixed right? 855-560-9900. Give Ron a call. Now, back to Ron. Ron in New Hampshire, you're up next. What's going on? How you doing, Ron? Yes, sir. I have a 94 Explorer motor and a 90 Bronco 2. Okay. The the whole truck has been completely modified, so it's really hard to diagnose as according to the uh, yeah. to the truck. But at any rate, this just started to happen going down the road at minimum throttle, and it jerks, it lunges, not badly. You can just feel it like it's... It's shifting gears, but it's not shifting gears. It's something's going on either electronically or fuel-wise. So I changed the fuel filter, and I even opened, went into the tank and checked all the circuitry for the uh, pump? for the fuel pump and the sender unit and all that sort of thing. Everything checked out well, drove it, and miraculously it disappeared. But it's back. Okay, so let me ask you this. You got a fuel pressure tap on this engine? Yes, I do. Can we hook up a fuel pressure gauge and go for a ride and see if pressure's dropping off? I haven't done that, but that has been on my mind to do just yeah, that. Yeah, I would, I would do that. And then the other thing I would think about is, even though I know this is a modified vehicle, and I'm, you know, I can imagine the detail and you know the care that was taken to do the do the swap. Um, it's New Hampshire. I always, you know, whenever I get calls from you know state New Hampshire, Vermont, etc., um, New Jersey, New York, you know, we're in the Rust Belt. Um, I always think about cleanliness of grounds on older older vehicles and how it can affect performance and you know some of those things. So I want to just be aware of that. Um, that is an EEC-4 system. That's an older Ford EEC-4 system. That ground at the battery cable, that negative battery cable, is everything to that car. Um, that, that what I've done is I've gone around the vehicle, so I've, um, with super heavy gauge wire, I've grounded engine to frame, body to frame, um, you know, just basically doing what you're talking about is normally you get a problem like that it's ground somewhere right or well but but the issue is wire or something you know if ground 103 and i don't know this on this vehicle now anymore but if g103 was the ground at the left rear corner of the cylinder head and it's corroded mm-hmm. the, the 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 computer needs to see a clean g103 um because if you grounded the front corner of the cylinder head with a good quality ground going to the frame rail, that made good ground contact. But if ground 103, which is the ground for the PCM at the back of the cylinder head, is still corroded, it's still mm-hmm. it's still corroded. It's not it's not getting through it. You know, in terms of the resistance value, it doesn't change anything. So you know, having good grounds is important, but cleaning the existing grounds is more so. If you follow what I'm saying, I I took the dash out. Um, because I was getting so frustrated with this thing, and just start. That's what I do. I tear things apart and I put them back together. Hopefully, that's right. the same way they came up. That's apart. how you learn, brother. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, nothing wrong. So with anyway, that. I got in there and I checked all the grounds. I checked the PCM ground on the passenger side. I've, I'd gone through everything in the back side of the dash, make sure you know I didn't have any chafing and the grounds were right and all the rest of it. And I've cleaned them off. But you're talking about a ground that's by the battery? No, well, well, the the main ground, the main EEG-4 ground, all right, that's an EEG-4 system, there should be a pigtail coming off the negative battery cable. There is. Okay, and that pigtail, it would look like a, a, a press-pull um, quick disconnect. Mm-hmm. And that 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 should go to the frame, or that should go to that was chassis ground for the EEG-4 computer. 
if that's dirty, loose, corroded, battery acid worked its way up the wire, creates high resistance across it, all sorts of weird things will happen with that car. You know, it was it was bad 10 years ago when those cars were 20 years old. Now they're 30 years old. It's got to be worse. So that EG4 ground was one of the first grounds we always tested. Uh, now, can you still do EG4 self-test on this car with a scan tool? I don't have a, a really sophisticated scan tool. It, don't it's need an OBD, OBD 1 and 2, but it's not really sophisticated. Right. I don't know if I can or not. Well, you know, it, do you still have the connector in the harness? Yeah, it's right here. I'm looking at it. Okay, you know, and if you look at it, is it is it corroded or is the cover still on the connector? Oh no, that it's it's in really good shape. Okay, I would, you know what? Before you beat your brains in, because it sounds like this is your hot rod, mm-hmm. I, I would get out on eBay or somewhere, and I would find I would find a, a decent quality used or something new. You know, an OBD one. That's what this is quality scan tool. I'd go see if I could find one of the OTC monitors. The OTC monitor family of scan tools back in the day, they were state-of-the-art with the plug-in cartridges. You'll find, mm-hmm. them real, you'll find them real cheap on eBay, I'm sure. Find something in good shape. And I would scan this for codes. I would hook up fuel pressure to this car. I would see what fuel pressure is. Keep in mind, with this car, you may not be able to find what's right, what's bad, until you figure out what's wrong. Knowing what's good helps eliminate, and you can focus on and find what's bad. Do the do those tests for me. I'm up against the clock today, Ron. Do those tests for me, and we can talk next week. By the way, stay on the line. You'll be getting the 1939 Ford Coupe from the Coke, from the folks at Wix, courtesy of Wix, WixFilters.com. Tom and Tony say you are the winner. Either that or they're done playing with it. So uh, make sure that when they send you works that Tom and Tony haven't taken parts off it like they did the last time. But uh, you stay on the line. That's courtesy of the folks over at Wix, WixFilters.com, Ron, and maybe that'll help alleviate some of your pain. I'm Ron and Annie the car doctor we are back right after this welcome back let's wind it up with mike from Danella, new jersey mike welcome back sir what's going on ron i was thinking about this the other day and i was talking about uh stop start technology have you worked on any cars that that employ that yeah, just but normal maintenance stuff yet, Michael. We haven't seen you know the, any real failures. Maybe I think we've done a couple of batteries, but nothing more than that. But you know, what are your thoughts? Yeah, because what I understand is you know the accessory belt you know runs everything when the engine runs, but after the engine shuts off, there's a couple of motors that run the accessories like the AC and all that, and they say that the batteries are quite a bit bigger. Yep. The batteries are bigger. The starters are more expensive. Here's the here's the part I, that, that that bothers me about start stop, Michael. And you know it's funny we're 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 probably going to replace the Malibu this year because it's it's it, you know it's got a buck seventy five on it and needs oh, trans. And yeah, it's you know it's time. And Mama wants a new car, and I get that. Happy wife, happy life. And and I can say that she never listens to the show. Um, you know she'll say, "What are you doing on the show today?" Yeah, you know, it's you know, what you do on the show today? Nothing, honey. Um, so, you know, we're looking at start-stop technology. We're looking at Ford Edges, as a matter of fact. And I've told her, no, we don't want a start-stop vehicle. And and part of that reason is simply because you know what that car has to go through. You know, the average car cranks you know 300 RPM, right, right to start. The start-stop technology cars crank at a minimum of a thousand RPM. It's instant. It's Bang, it's right there. And, you know, that bothers the heck out of me. I can't imagine where that vehicle's going to be. You know, we've, we've, 
put 175,000 miles on that Malibu. It's 15 years old. Where's that stop start car going to be at 175,000 miles? How many starters will we have had to put in it? Because and that starter is not cheap. That starter is well over a thousand bucks. The batteries are not cheap. Uh, you know, the price of that technology for what it's trying to achieve. I can't see it. I think there's got to be an alternative, and I think there's safety concerns. I think there's places and moments where you don't want start-stop. You should be given a switch. I appreciate your thoughts, Michael. i got to go. I'm running in the car, Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.